listening to the All Jokes Aside podcast. 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 Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Jokes Aside. Third episode. Thank you for coming back. Welcome. I appreciate you. Have a seat. Pull up a chair. Go ahead. <laughs> I have no problem. How's your mama and them? They doing well? That's good. That's good. How's Cleophas? Is he doing better? Huh? Yeah, that gang green didn't take his leg from that fishing accident. How about your dog? Does he still got worms? Oh, we, oh he has Parvo. Mm. Oh, Lord. That Parvo. I swear to God. My wife had Parvo, and that's how she passed away. Took away right from around here. She moved in with my uncle. They, they live together. They got a kid together, too. Yep, just finally became a, a grand uncle. <laughs> I've already started, man. It just went left so quick. I gotta I gotta get more control of this show. I have to have to have better understanding. Thank y'all, man, for listening to another episode. That's that really means a lot to me, man. I've I've been working on him. Still, I wanna apologize. Um I know I'm still working some bugs out. I know last week Everybody said, like, man, you sounded really, really low. Uh, it's, it sounded like it sounded muffled. And I can hear Ambrose really well. It's simple. Ambrose sabotaged me. And that's all I have to say about that. Ambrose deliberately made sure that his microphone was higher on my own show. I don't know how he did it, but he's from Memphis. And we all know people from Memphis cannot be trusted. <laughs> now, um, I don't know what I did wrong. So I think I worked some bugs out. I think I got it all clear and straight. So you should be able to hear me. Very clearly this time. Um, I also, I want to thank, man, Ambrose Jones for coming on last week. You know, just stopping by. We had a great week uh, of comedy. A lot of people don't know. After me and Ambrose did that show, we did the Stardom Comedy Club the following day. Yeah, man. And a lot of people don't know this. I had my opportunity, my very, 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 very first time ever headlining at a comedy club. So that was a great deal. So I want to thank everybody in Birmingham and Tuscaloosa, Bellsman area that came out to see my very first headlining comedy show. Now, for all the people out there that don't know what a headliner or true headlining or what's the big deal of the situation, let me break it down to you. All right, so a comedy show is broken up in three parts, usually, unless you go to one of the alternative clubs when you have 27 comics. But traditionally, when you go to a comedy club, there's usually three comics at the, well, at the least, at the most, you might have four or five. But mainly, this is the format. You sit down, you're already blasted, and first comes out is a MC host type deal. Now, a lot of people confuse this person with not being a comedian because they usually don't tell any jokes. Now, MC and host usually comes out, greets everybody, tells them what they expect, turn your cell phones off, do not record, just give them the proper introduction and telling people how a comedy club works. And in that time, they get an opportunity to maybe tell maybe like two or three jokes. So that's why people don't think of them as a comedian. But all comedians start off emceeing and hosting, unless you're just a beast and you start featuring or you're some ex-movie star who's following on hard times and your agent said, hey, we're going to start doing stand-up. Those are the only people that get to skip uh, emceeing and featuring. So after you emcee, you know, uh, you move on to feature. Once, you know, they feel like, hey, you know, I feel like you have enough material or your popularity is getting a little bit higher. Let's let you feature. Now, featuring is a little bit different. Featuring usually comes around 20, 25 minutes 
of material, what you do. So you come on, the MC brings you up as a feature, you do your time and whatnot. Now, a lot of people say the feature is probably the best spot because it's the in-between spot. There's, there's not really high expectation of you. A lot of people didn't come to see you. And, but that's also the hard spot when people are ready to see a headline, especially if they've never been to a comedy club. Because you can tell, like, usually people come to a show and be like, all right, everybody, are you ready for a good time? Woo! Yeah! You always hear it because it's always white women scream like that. They always scream like it's girls going wild. It just it's just really big. But you go black shows, black women just give you one good alphabet and be through with it. Like, where my ladies at? I turn up all. Oh. But anyway, so once they do all that, they greeting you and everything. Ah, are you ready to have a great time? Ah, are you ready to see your main event? Ah, everybody, are you ready to see the guy that you came for? Ah, crowd just getting round. But first, I have a feature act that you have never heard of before. Y'all start clapping from the metal sticks of Alabama. Y'all get up for Terry T. And then you get fucking silence. That, that's the downside of it. Because everybody's so ready for the main act. And here you come. Never been seen before. No TV credits. Nothing. They just know you the guy before the guy. So everybody has the mentality. It's like, you better be funny. So after you do that, you, you do that for a while. Traveling. Getting to more comedy clubs and more venues. Building your time. And you've built such a name for yourself, you become a headliner. Now, a true headliner is not necessarily saying you're the last guy or you have the best material. A headliner is a person that can put butts in seats. You can sell tickets. That's what a headliner is. A headliner is not somebody that has two hours worth of material and that can slay a crowd. I've met comedians that rip. I mean, like, they can kill on stage. But... It's still hard for them to become a headliner because a lot of people don't know of them. But like I said before, if you have a name, I won't say any celebrity or comments because I don't want you to think I'm beefing. And don't take this me like lashing out at people who just come in. But it's usually people that have a bigger stardom before they even do stand up sometime that come in straight out the streets. You have your ex movie stars, wrestlers, athletes who have such a real big name. But they wanted to do comedy, and people think of them uh, naturally funny people, but not knowing that they have never done stand-up before. There's a difference between being funny and then doing stand-up. Because a lot of people are situational funny, and that's almost like improv. But if you decide to do stand-up, stand-up is actually you standing there and you talking to people and making them laugh, which is a natural reaction. So a lot of people get opportunity to headline like that. Now, for me, for... The comedy club here to take an interest in me and saying like, "Hey, we'll give you opportunity to headline," man, is is probably one of the greatest gifts or one of the greatest accomplishments so far in my career. Um, like I said, I've been featuring probably for about two and a half years. I I go around the place a lot of places. I do a lot of colleges. I opened up for Steve Brown. I don't know if you know who Steve Brown is. So I feature for him in a lot of different places, a lot of comedy clubs. So I've I've featured a lot, and to finally have the opportunity to headline was. Just phenomenal. And like I said, I had Ambrose Jones featuring for me, which made it not easy whatsoever. Like I said, if you've never seen Ambrose, Ambrose is funny, funny. Like, he was up there just killing. Like, he was he was so damn funny, I started resenting him. Like, I started hating him. I was just like, if somebody don't get this, yo got it, Chris Rock looking motherfucker off stage. <laughs> I'm just joking, man. Ambrose is my dude. Ambrose went up there and ripped and killed. And if anything, he probably made my job so much easier. It wasn't like he was out there just 
trying to steal laughs. I know he was trying to be the funniest comedian he was, but man, he set the crowd up. So when I came out there, it was it was phenomenal. I know it was a great show. It was such a great show. This is how I knew that it was going to be a great show. I had a great show. After the show, some sixty-two-year-old white lady grabbed my crotch and said she had a great time. That's how good. When white people grab your crotch, that's a great show. That that is showing so much love. And I want to thank you. And her husband just allowed it. He looked at me like <laughs> I looked at him, and he looked at me like Mills Lane is like a referee. Like I allow it. That was she does. That was his excuse too when his wife groped me. It was like, and then she was like one of those hot sixty-two year old ladies. She was like, I thought she made pies and let them cool off on the ceiling. Ain't B type white ladies. And that that would creep me out. Like I looked at it, it was like you remind me so much of my second grade teacher, Miss Hunter. But I, <laughs> I knew it wasn't her. It was it was it was Miss Hunter when I wanted her to be freaking. All right, now now I'm just I'm just going I'm just going to I'm just going too far to the right. But yeah, um it was it was a great show. Thanks to everybody that came out and showed me so much love. Um after that, man, I had a had a I had a great Thanksgiving. I can't even complain about Thanksgiving. I'm I'm tired of Thanksgiving. I couldn't eat eat any more turkey. Like I am done with turkey. Like I I do not want to take another bite of turkey and dress. I don't even want to have motherfucker gobble. Right now, like that's how much turkey and dressing I've had in my time span. And I don't know if you're like me. Like, did you do this? Like, did you go to like five different houses because you got to make sure everybody in your family knows that you really care about them and love them. So you got to make sure you go to each house just to show your face and make sure everybody is happy that you're there. That's <laughs> that's that's what I did. And, like, and my family thinks I do it because I care about them. And like when I stop by, especially the ones that come by their house late. When I come by their house like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, they be like, I can't believe like you went to all the houses and you made sure you came by my house. That means so much to me, nephew or grandson or whoever. But what they really don't know is, is I went to their house last because their food's the nastiest. If I go to your house last on Thanksgiving, pretty much your food sucks. I, I don't know if you do like I do. I go in from range of great to worse. For food. Like, if I wake up, first thing in the morning, I wake up. First, I stick my finger down my throat and throw up a little bit because I want to make room for the delicious food that I'm going to partake in. Then I hop in the car and I say my prayer because I ain't got time to say grace when I get to your house. I'm ready to fucking eat. I do not have time for the oldest person in the family to do that that long, drawn-out, 20-minute prayer. Like, oh, my God. You ever just sat there in prayer and you holding hands, and you just you only thing you really praying is just like nobody acknowledges that I got sweaty ass palms that we holding hands, <laughs> and you just they praying for everything that they can possibly think of. They just like I just want to thank God for my family and keeping them healthy, and and this this is why I hate when you think the prayer's about to end, but they pick that bitch up and they get stronger. Like their prayer is like a heavyweight fighter that just got knocked down in the seventh round and just gets back up and just get and gets stronger. It's like Rocky. Her prayers is like Rocky. She's like, and dear Lord, I just want you to bless this food that we're about to take in our bodies and nourish us and and make sure that we stay blessed, Lord. And I also want to pay for the people in Paris. He was like, oh my God, really? You can't even say Paris right. Who's Paris? Prayers is that lady that went to school with you, ma'am. Like, oh my god, they just, just keep they just the prayer just get bigger and bigger. So back to what I was saying. Like, I'll go go to my auntie house first because she makes some of the best turkey and dressing, and I'll eat there. 
and I'll go there and eat as much food as I possibly can. And then I go to the next house that got the best macaroni and cheese. Usually I make a collage of what you got best. Like if you just got the good ham, I'll just take some pan with me and then I'll go somebody else take the macaroni and cheese. By the time I get home, I have a full plate of Thanksgiving. But as I go to each house, getting leftover after leftover of Thanksgiving food, I always come to the last house. And just they be like, this, oh, I'm so glad you came, nephew. Uh, you want you want something to eat? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'll get a little bit. I'm not really that hungry. I had something earlier. And he was like, well, can I take some home? And that's when you just pack it up and you just save that plate for an emergency when you just can't take anymore. Like when you can't take it, when you have nothing else to eat and you just be like this, I guess I go eat that dry-ass dressing and that Pedro Bell pie that she tried to pass off as her own, trying to put aluminum foil around it. And I don't know what the big deal was that Pat LaBelle pie. Like everybody was just going crazy. Like that, like that pie had the cure of cancer or something in it. Like people just loved that pie. Like two point five million dollars in the weekend. Two point five. My grandma got a pound cake that she been fucking with for about fifteen years. We came and sell that at a church gathering. And Pat LaBelle around here doing two point five million dollars. I hear you, Patty. Shit. For sweet potato pies that ain't got enough sugar in it, because you know she's a diabetic. She probably got that sweet and low in it. Oh, man. Pat LaBelle, no pies. Ah, God bless you. God bless you. If you bought one of those pies, I appreciate you supporting Pat LaBelle and black-owned businesses. God bless you. <laughs> well, then um, my family tried to get ready to go Black Friday shopping. They try to get me to get involved in that. I don't do Black Friday shopping. I just, I just, I just can't get into it. Like that, that's just something that I can't get down with. First of all, like I don't like the crowds. It's, it's too many people inside. Everybody wants to cut up and act up and whatnot and push people around. And then I don't have any money. It's, it's mainly the last part. The reason why I don't go to Black Friday, but I, I, I don't see the point of trying to elbow check somebody for a damn DVD player that's only thirty three dollars. Like you, you, you finna punch somebody out for something that you can get online for the same exact damn price and get it mailed to your house and not have to fight anybody. But like, no, you want to show up at the next family function trying to explain your ACL tear. What happened to you? Well, you know, this bitch trying to take this flat screen TV away from me. So I just Shawn Michael sweet shins kicked the ass in the face. Oh, man, this podcast is just going every which way. I'm not going to keep y'all long this time because I really got to get up out of here. Um, I'm supposed to be doing radio in a minute, and I just want to make sure I try to fit this podcast in. Um, oh, 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 oh. Um, did, I, did I tell y'all? Um, I want to thank the people down in Nashville at the Comedy Cabana. I want to make sure I want to tell everybody, thank Brad Sativa. That, yeah, yeah. Brad Sativa at, um, in Nashville put on a great show. At a place called the Cabana, he had a lineup of fucking smash comedians. Like I tell you, these comedians smashed the show. They smashed from beginning to end. It was a nice crowd, nice sellout crowd. Um, I was glad to be a part of it. Uh, Joe Kelly was on the show. Renard Hirsch, Renard Hirsch is a beast. If you never seen him, uh, Josh Wagner, young dude, hilarious. Jordan Jensen, oh man, I love Jordan. I think she's from, from New York. Hilarious young woman. If you have not seen Jordan, p- 
please stay tuned to her. She's got a lot of potential in her, and you're going to see a lot more of her. And B. Cove, B. Cove went on that stage, and when I say he ripped it apart, he ripped it apart, and everybody had a great time. And that's why Nashville has one of the nicest, greatest comedy scenes I've seen in a long time. Like, people just literally just come out to see comedy. And I travel a lot of places and go a lot of different a lot of different areas and everything trying to see who has a good comedy scene. You know, Atlanta's up there. Uh, L.A. has a nice scene. Uh, I haven't been to New York yet. I'm not going to sit here and lie. Uh, Florida, Midwest has a really, really good comedy scene. But, I uh, mean, there's just nothing There's nothing like the South. And Nashville, I would say, is probably one of those top places that have a really nice comedy scene. So if you ever have an opportunity to go in Nashville, make sure you hit up Zany's Comedy Club, which is a really, really, really dope spot. And if you haven't had an opportunity, follow Brad Sativa. Yes, just like the marijuana. Follow Brad Sativa. I, I hope that's not his government name. If it isn't, he's he's going to be screwed. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter and find by the next comedy show. I guarantee you're going to have a, a great laugh. Um, what else, what else I want to tell y'all about? I was going to tell y'all about something um, before I get up out of here. I'm trying to remember. Uh, do, do, do. What was it? Oh, oh, oh. Let's... um. I'm gonna get this off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. Uh, shout out to my mom, who I seen this past holiday, uh, and making me feel guilty. I'm 29 now. I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna get out of here. I'm 29, and I'm the only probably, yeah, I'm the only child in my family that probably doesn't have a grandchild yet or a child. And my mom gets in this whole sulking mood when she wants to tell everybody. She's like, "Oh, I got all these nieces and nephews, but I ain't got no." No grandchild of my own. I can't wait to Terry start having kids. And I'm just like, why? Why would you want me to suffer? Like, I hear people talk about kids. And it's like, they try to make it like it's a good decision. When people talk about kids, they, they talk about it like like having a, a deadly disease that they got to live with for the rest of their life. But they're making the best of it. It's just like, yeah, Bradley, it happened about three years ago. But, you know, we're making the best of the situation. You know, I'm, I'm taking every day, one step at a time. That's how kid, people make kids sound like a deadly disease. And I don't know why my mom wants me to have kids when she didn't even like me. So why would you want me to go through the same thing that you went through and suffer like how you suffered? Like, I'm, I'm not going to put myself in that same situation, man. And then I'm not going to have a kid that is going to make you resent me even more because I'm going to drop it off any chance I get. Like, I'm, I'm going to be one of those parents. I'm not one of those parents like this. Every single day, I'm going to be with him. I'm going to play football with my son. And uh, I'm, I'm going to do dolls with my girls. If I have a child, I'm going to need a full-time babysitter. Because that child's going to be around you forever. Like, it's, it's stuck to you. There's no way you can shake it. And if you leave it behind, everybody wants to throw a fucking fit. And be like, oh, he's an unfit parent. Look at him leave his child around. So, I think I'm doing society a favor by ducking and dodging children. Uh, I, I don't want to brag, but currently I am the 2011, 2012, 2014, and hopefully 2015 pullout champ in the state of Alabama. Yeah. Um, 2013, still up in the air. Got an asterisk by it. Plan B pill kind of took me out of that one. But to me, it's still counting. No kid came around. I never had one. So I am happy. I am proud. Either that or I'm shooting blanks. I don't know which one. My pullout game is on fleek. You hear me? On fleek, as the young folks say. I'm fleeking. My is fleeking. All right. So um, I think that's about the end of the podcast. 
I want to thank everybody that's listened to it, subscribed to it. If you haven't had an opportunity, make sure you listen to it on SoundCloud.com backslash all jokes aside, one word. Uh, you want to hit me up on Facebook and Twitter. It's Terry T, T-R-Y-T-E-E. Make sure you're sharing this with people and leave uh, a review or a comment or rate it. Do what you possibly can. Tell everybody possible about this podcast. So I want to thank everybody for listening to All Jokes Aside, and I'll see you next week.